The suspect in the Charlotte Senate matter, well, guess what? He'd been previously investigated for guess what? Sam Bankman freed. Well, jury trial is scheduled to begin. That board hire process goes really fast in federal court. Tupac's suspected killer had an arraignment. His attorney couldn't make it, though. Ethan Crumley's parents are going to trial and then our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Yes, we are still on the road. Tonight, we come live to you. I guess not live. We come to you from Ibiza, Spain. Got to spend the day here. It was quite lovely. Apparently, it's known for being quite the party town. Uh, it, it must be because nothing really took place until about 4 p.m. this afternoon, and then things started picking up. Anyway, Let's get to the docket. So let's go ahead and open the record for October 4th, 2023. And remember, you know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Leave me a comment below. And remember, you can always listen to us anytime on any of your favorite podcasting apps. First on the docket, the suspect in the kidnapping of nine-year-old Charlotte Senna. Well, apparently he was being investigated this summer for an alleged child abuse of the sexual nature, but that case was closed without charges. Now, Craig Ross Jr. has been charged with kidnapping of Charlotte Senna, uh, where she was taken from a campground, but it's been denied that there's allegations that he had sexually abused the uh, young girl more than a year ago as well. This is the other investigation. Uh, now, Ross is obviously accused of uh, snatching young Senna off her bicycle as she traveled around a loop uh, that went through the uh, campsite where the family uh, was there for an end of summer trip. Uh, a frantic search ended on Monday evening after Mr. Ross left a ransom note at uh, Senna's home in Porter Corner and uh, investigations matched fingerprint on the note to Ross's prints from a 1999 drunk driving arrest. The uh, ransom note dropped off, raised questions. A New York State trooper was apparently guarding the family home at the time while the family remained at the park. Uh, the trooper saw someone drop something in the mailbox and then drove away in the truck. Um, the note allegedly asked for $50,000 for the girl's safe return. Now, the uh, people have stated, the police have stated that the trooper has not been accused of mishandling the situation. But state police are examining the incident to determine if Ross should have been stopped at that point and possibly questioned. Apparently, the police officer thought there were lots of people stopping by the house and apparently just did not think anything of it. At least that situation turned out well. You know, the um, situation is probably going to turn out, but probably not the way he likes it, is Sam Bankman-Fried. Now, obviously, we're going to give Sam Bankman-Fried the presumption of innocence, which every defendant deserves in a case. And well, just about a year after he was arrested, old Sam Bagman freed, and he's not that old. He's 31. His trial is uh, his trial is underway in a Manhattan uh, courtroom there in federal court. Now, obviously, he's accused of uh, embezzling funds from FTX customers and funneling that money to a hedge fund that he allegedly controlled and made some um, illegal exchanges between himself and other 
companies. Anyway, uh, obviously trial prep was a little bit uh, chaotic for Sam Bankman Freed because he got his bond revoked and had to prepare for the last uh, months or so in custody where he didn't have access to all the records. And obviously the preparation time is much more difficult uh, when you're preparing a client in custody, particularly when you're looking at spending 115 years in prison, you like to be prepared. Now, Sam Bankman Freed has ditched his uh, big bushy hair that he was known for and um, apparently wanted to look like a civilized human being when it came to trial. And he uh, cut his hair uh, and uh, actually combed it. So he's got that going for him. Now, the thing I want to really talk about with this is the fact that the case is literally ready to start uh, because jury selection in federal court is very different than it is usually in state court. State court, the judges let you talk to the jury. You get an hour. You get to do whatever. In federal court, the judges do most of it. You, The defense has to submit questions if the judge is either going to ask the questions for the attorneys or basically approve their questions that they get to ask uh, for the jury. And in this particular case, the uh, potential jurors are going to be asked questions regarding whether uh, they've had any issues with uh, Bitcoin. Did they think that it was basically a scam? Uh, you know, what are their experience uh, with it? The point is, it moves really fast. Let me give you an example of the jury selection process um, when I did one of my first federal trials uh, about 23 years ago. All right. The judge did all their general questions. You're a resident. You do, you know, you can read, speak, and understand the English language. Yes, yes, yes. You give every side the presumption of innocence. Yes, yes, yes. Everybody nods their head. And the first juror, the judge points at him and says, You can be fair and impartial, can't you? And the guy says, Yes, Your Honor. Fine. Good to go. Next juror. Anything, any reason why you can't be fair and impartial to each party is if I were you to be fair and impartial? No, sir. Boom. Uh, jury selection took all of about 30 minutes. So big difference in state court. That's why these cases are moving uh, so quickly uh, as at a case that sh of this nature a year out and it is already at trial. That's the way things normally go in the federal system. All right. Next on the docket, the suspect in the, the uh, killing of Tupac Shakur appears in court for the first time. Unfortunately, his attorney wasn't with him. So uh, Dwayne Keith Davis, known as Keith D, was expected to be arraigned on the charge of murder with the use of a deadly weapon in the gang-related homicide stemming from the fatal September 7th, 1996 shooting. But when Davis appeared in court, guess what? His attorney wasn't there and said that he needed at least two weeks to uh, be present at that court. So that's a little odd you would assume that uh, the attorney would either clear his calendar or send somebody to stand in with your clients. Or maybe it's a situation where Mr. Green has not arrived just yet. And therefore, that's why the attorney didn't show up. And it's going to take a couple more weeks for Mr. Green to arrive. And then the attorney will be able to appear in court. We'll see who he gets. Next on the docket, remember Ethan Crumley? More importantly, remember his parents. Now, Ethan Crumley is a horrible human being um, because he pled guilty to killing four of his uh, classmates uh, back in November of uh, 2021. Now, Crumley was 15 when he did this to his four classmates and wounded six others. And his parents were charged 
under a theory that they somehow made the weapon available to him and they ignored his mental health needs and they were tried. Now, I got a lot of heat from everybody that said, oh my gosh, Scott, how be careful what you wish for. I get it. It's a deadly incident. Somebody wants somebody held accountable. But be careful. Where does it stop, right? First, it's the parents. Well, maybe the grandparents, maybe the neighbors didn't do it. Maybe the school owners. How about the school officials? Maybe they could have taken more steps. The problem is when you start putting on more and more layers in criminal law, becomes very nebulous and very scary. The fundamental principles of our criminal justice system is that the wrongdoer should be punished, right? We all have these rights to be able to do things and our rights should not be infringed unless we actually do it. But more and more people want to hold more and more people accountable. You know, the whole, it makes a village kind of stuff. Uh, well, where does the village stop at some point? Why not? Why not the mayor? Why not the, the school superintendent? It just keeps going. Anyway, so Ethan Kremlin pled guilty to terrorism and murder charges, but a, a judge last week is going to make him, obviously, he's eligible for life in prison uh, without parole. Now, the parents uh, had appealed uh, some decisions as it relates to uh, basically their case going forward, and but their case is going to go forward. They lost at the appellate level. So a, a, a state... Appeals court said in March that the couple could face trial and the Michigan Supreme Court let that decision stand in a one sentence order. Now, the prosecutors there uh, in the suburb of Detroit uh, had to show only that there was probable cause to put the parents on trial, which is a pretty low threshold. We talked about that a lot of times. Would a reasonable person believe that a crime was committed? Somebody um, was involved. In it. That's probable cause. So the appeals uh, court noted that the Oakland County jury will hear a more uh, expansive case from all sides. So let it go forward. Now, during the hearing in August, prosecutors showed video footage from the shooting that had some disturbing passages from Crumley's journal and testimony from students and local law enforcement. The prosecutors highlighted some statements that Crumley had made before the uh, incident took place, including an audio recording in which he said he would have so much fun harming all of his peers. He also kept a diary, which included drawing a girl with a gun uh, to her head caption. The victim has to be a pretty girl with a future so she can suffer just like me. Clearly a disturbed young man, no doubt. He also stated, I want America to hear what I did. Crumley wrote, I will cause the largest shooting in the state. And I wish to hear the screams of the children as I shoot them. Clearly, clearly disturbed young man uh, for sure. But the state cut him a break, obviously because of his age. And the defense put on a bunch of mitigation saying that, hey, you know, he's got some mental health issues, but we can cure him at state expense for the rest of his life. So the, like I said, the parents are going to go to trial. I get it. A lot of people want them to be held responsible, saying they should have known. They should have done something more careful what you wish for, ladies and gentlemen. Be careful what you wish for, because you may just get it. Where does it stop? What happens if your neighbor is beating his kid or his wife next door to you? Why didn't you step in? You heard it. Why didn't you do it? Where does it stop? Slippery, slippery slope. And then finally today, our dumb criminal of the day. Please meet Stephanie 
Boyd. She did something that maybe a lot of people would like to do, but, well, she actually did it. With her husband clinging to the hood of a car, this Missouri woman drove for more than seven miles through a construction zone and across an interstate before pulling over, being chased by police. That's right. So police allege that Stephanie Boyd, along with her spouse, got into some sort of verbal altercation um, and it ultimately turned physical inside their St. Louis residence. When Boyd then got into the couple's car to leave, and while the victim was on the hood of the vehicle, the man apparently thought that Boyd would not drive if he was atop of the car. Little did he know. Well, that's right. Boyd left the resident with the victim on the hood of the vehicle and obviously travels traveling somewhat recklessly at a different speeds. Uh, Miss Boyd made her way to Interstate 70, which uh, she had sped for some 4.6 miles before exiting near the St. Louis Lambert International Airport. Um, where she continued to drive. At a point in time, officers gave chase after Boyd drove past the officer with her spouse on the hood of the car. While pursuing the uh, car, the police car had their lights on, lights were flashing, and uh, Boyd drove for an additional half mile before ultimately pulling over. Well, guess what that got her? That got Ms. Boyd arrested, and her bond set at $100,000 because the judge said, she was deemed a danger to the victim and the community and just about anyone else clearly didn't think the law applied to her. Anyway, that's our dumb criminal of the day. All right. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you next time on Crime Talk tomorrow from Valencia, Valencia, Spain. We'll see you there. 